Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. <laughs> Peyton Jones, translation. I believe he said that his oh, name was Peyton gosh. Jones. Dude, I was at my client's office last week, and um, I was talking to a couple of the, the staff members there, and somehow we got on the subject, and I, I mentioned that I had this podcast, and they're like, oh, I want to listen to it, and I'm like, uh, mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. She's like, well, I'm going to search. I'm going to find it. I'm going to listen to that podcast. I'm like, uh, I, I was like, I, I don't know that world's colliding world's colliding. Uh, oh yeah. And you know what? It's so funny you say that. Cause I am, I am honored to serve on a team with a guy named Mac Lake. Uh, he runs the multiply, uh, curriculum for Nam for a church planner training guy is a, an amazing stud. And I have to say, uh, well, I'll get to my story first, then I'll come back and say something I stand corrected on, which uh, I'm married. I know I'm wrong a lot, and I have to admit it. But I was sitting with him. Uh, we we had debriefed. This was this train the trainers event, and uh, we went to a Chinese restaurant afterwards. And and you know I really respect Mac. Really neat guy. Really neat trainer. And he he looks over at me and goes, you know, you have the perfect voice for podcasting. And the 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 shot through me the, the the fear of oh my gosh he listens to the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and i have to work with him oh no does he does he listen to it uh, you know well let's put it this way he has listened whether he is an active listener i don't know but what i can tell you is that uh i uh i stand corrected i made an assertion uh last week that if you are not an active multiplier of churches you should not train guys to multiply. And I have to tell you, this is the first time I've spent uh, time with Mac Lake. And Mac Lake has changed my mind. He he planted in 96. And I'm sure he planted well. But I got to tell you, you mentioned on the last podcast, you go, you know, Peyton, I don't know if I agree with that. There are guys that are just so good at training. And after being with him this week, I was like, you know what? I just met the dude you're talking about. Where he is not actively, a church, but he is because he is effectively multiplying church multipliers. And I'm like, that's the, the, the he, I, I'm just saying, 
I, I, he, he taught me a new phrase too. And, and right now I'm in a love bubble with him. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows it? It's all I'm saying on that one. <laughs> hey, hey, is it okay that I have love bubbles with multiple people? Well, I mean, sometimes so let, let me understand this. You're saying that after everything, you agree with Pete. Oh, 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 we can't go that far. I mean, don't, you know, keep your head, man. Don't get carried away. Calm down, diddly diddly. <laughs> Calm down, diddly 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 diddly. They did their best. Shoddly diddly diddly diddly. Gotta be nice. Hostility diddly diddly diddly. Oh, hell, diddly ding dong crap. So on with our smack talk, because I understand we're actually going to get to some church planner stuff, but that's going to happen about 20 minutes in for those of you that want to skip the really good stuff and get just to the dry, boring stuff that's going to help you grow your church. Yeah, we kind of need to talk about church planning every episode. We did on everyone except for number 50. Number 50 is the only episode that we didn't talk about church planning. The one about episode 50. It, that's what it was titled. <laughs> we, we actually just talked about the show and our favorite moments from the show, if I recall. I don't even remember. I need to go back and listen to episode 50. <laughs> you just showed me my Christmas present via Skype. I took a picture of it and I threw it up on Facebook. I think you need to tell everyone what it is. Oh, man. I You know, it's very rare that I get super excited. I get so excited to give someone their present that I said to Pete, oh, I can't wait to give you a present. And you're like, give it to me now over Skype. So I unpack it. I got Pete a USB charger for his car and it is in the shape of the Knight Rider kit key K I T T uh, interface. And it talks in his voice and it has the, remember the AI lights that would go vroom, 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 vroom in the car. When you talk, they would light up those three red bars. Check Michael. please. <laughs> it's all in there, baby. I it's remember it and I saw it and I was like, why do you have to live like a hundred miles away from me? Because <laughs> I want it now. Shut I, up and give me my charger. I do. And I'm like, all these images are going through my head. I'm like, okay, Luke's going to get in my car and think my car is the greatest car in the world. It's going to be you perfect. You actually had a mental montage when you saw it of like you and Luke sitting there laughing and like your mother-in-law in the car. I am going, looking Take forward for another ride, Pete. I'm looking forward to hitting the turbo boost button and then like flooring <laughs> it at the same time. Life just got real. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, on uh, on the subject of uh, presents that uh, excite you, I got a present in the mail from long-term listener Brandon Brooks that uh, actually <laughs> That thing you posted me. on Facebook was sent to you, like, in the mail? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was traumatic. It was like... Um, <laughs> It was like Why? opening something out of Army of the Living Dead dolls or something like that, you know? Um, what what are those movies? The, Chucky's the, the, got nothing on this thing. That's all I'm saying. Gosh. I think this thing might have inspired Chucky, man. <laughs> Tell everyone what it is. <clears throat> Lady Elaine Fairchild, man. A oh. puppet. <clears throat> Lady Elaine Fairchild from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I open it up, and I take it out, and it's like, as soon as I see it and recognize it, which the weirdest thing is she's got like a red dress that says boomerang, boomerang on it. I don't know what that's all about. All I can think is like that. What is that? Your chosen weapon of death to kill me with a boomerang? Like what's it? Am I going to hear that in the middle of the night? Boomerang, boomerang. You know, she talks. You're freaking me out, thing. dude. You, you know, I don't I, like that show. I, I could invent a campfire ghost story right now. And so Andrea sees it. I go, this just came in the mail. And I love Brandon, man. He's a funny dude. And uh, Andrew goes, yeah, I think it's time you stop doing the podcast. <laughs> you okay, Hosey? I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He saw Jedi 17 times, eh? You know, we're into the final stretch. Oh, can't wait. Of Star Wars. I, you, you, you're going Thursday night, aren't you? I'm going Thursday night at 10 p.m., baby. Or do you already have your tickets, I'm assuming? I got my tickets. Who are you going with? I am going with uh, <laughs> I am going with the newer couple at our church. Which the church? Boyd's. Oh, at Refuge Long Beach. I, I see. I keep track of the I, one you and I share. Do they live down there near you, or where are you going? Are you coming uh, up here? We're going to Palace Verdes. Oh, okay. That's like yeah. halfway, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's a li- it's it's on the the other side of Signal Hill. It is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I don't know where it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it kind of goes like this: Long Beach, San Pedro, and then Palos Verdes. Wow, you're really going north. Oh, dude, you're I gonna have a, a that's long where drive I have to home. go to see it on the 17th. Man, I'm seeing it a day before everyone else. Yeah, you're not seeing it a day before everyone else. Well, you know, hours before everyone else. I am. Uh, I'm so looking forward to it. So last week. As a family, we went out and got our Christmas tree. Woohoo! Now, Luke, no, my, you're, okay, go ahead. I know where you're going. Did I tell you what Luke did? Uh, no, but I saw pictures on Facebook that even I could not comment on. You see, Pete, uh, I don't even know what you're talking about. Now. What to say? Wisdom is <laughs> whether or not to say it. I, I and you even, posted something, a picture of Luke. With oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> Words fail me. I think that's what your post said. Oh, the things we think and do not say. Yeah, that's what I said. I was dying. Because, you know. (laughs) Okay, uh, while while we collect ourselves and pull ourselves together, today's topic is Ninja Planning Part 2. Because we got to love a series. So we went and we got our Christmas tree. Now, Luke, my four-year-old, loves, loves, loves Christmas. My wife has like warped this kid into like a mini Santa Claus. I dig it. He is so excited about all of the the decorating and see my wife loves Christmas. When we lived in a duplex when we were first married for like the first 5 years, we lived in this tiny duplex. People don't understand this because when they come to my house, they see just Christmas stuff everywhere, Santa, Jesus, all of it's all mixed together, right? I mean, it's sure. just all over the house. And I, I look at people and I go, you don't understand. When we lived in our duplex, 700 square feet, we had the exact same amount of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so my friends would come over and they'd be like, I don't even know what to say. Like they'd walk in my house and I'd be like, dude, I, it's not me. <laughs> you know, when, when I went to your house a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, this is going on the podcast, man. <laughs> So Luke is so excited because we're putting up the tree and all the decorations are going on it. And, and he just goes, yeah, dad, we got you BB eight for Christmas. It's a present, but don't worry. We already got it. (laughs) And Jamie's looking at him and she goes, remember what I said? We're not supposed to tell anybody about this. He's like, yeah, but we already got it. It's okay. (laughs) I'm like, okay, guess I got BB eight for Christmas. So I already know my Christmas present. I'm stoked. Oh, so you got the remote control one. I doubt it because that's too expensive. There's no way Jimmy would have bought that. You got that. It's probably no. She would not have spent 150 bucks. I thought that was like 90 bucks. She wouldn't have spent 90 bucks. Okay. She'll spend, you know, easily two, three hundred on a purse that she doesn't need, but getting me a remote control BB eight, not gonna happen. So my daughter, six years old, same thing, just has to talk about it. So one of our uh, one of our family members told her when they went Christmas shopping with her that when you get home, if you got to talk about it, tell mom and dad you got them a squirrel. So every <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's birthday or whatever. Every it's a time, BB squirrel. It's a BB eight squirrel. That's a, she, she doesn't do that, but every time she comes in, it's it, I got you a squirrel. We got you a squirrel. Mommy got you a squirrel, and that's just stuck, man. So you know, I, I guess I got a lot of squirrels coming. Oh, but she doesn't go any further than that. She just says. No, she doesn't. Oh, well, she's older. She's what, six? Yeah. Yeah, she's older than Luke. So no, She's been doing it since she was young. She she has never yet blabbed a, a present. Hey, you know, um, Mackenzie, my daughter, just turned one today. Hey, happy birthday, mac and cheese. And we're so grateful that you and your family showed up for her birthday party. I mean, that was that was awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. Yeah, it was kind of hard. It was a long commute from Atlanta, I got to say. What I've noticed is that because you can give Luke Star Wars stuff, you come to his parties. <laughs> but with Mackenzie, you're kind of like, look, I already got two daughters. You know what sucks is I, the last time. I don't need to buy had, any more princess stuff. Yeah, I, I know. I know. But the last two times you've had birthday parties for your kids, I've been traveling with Nam. So it's I was actually fault? at the airport on Sunday. Were you flying really? to Atlanta? I was. Hey, that's all right, I just man. forgot to tell you. Hey, man, I'm in Atlanta on Sunday. I, I, you know, frankly, I didn't even want to be there, so I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I've been to parties with you. 
dude, it's so true. Like last night we were at uh, Disneyland and we're with like these family friends. Jamie knows them better. Met their daughter at the park and, you know, Luke and, and the girl Ella like to play a lot. And so they got another daughter, just had her two year birthday and we went to their house and I'm like, you know me, I'm like, eh, how you doing? Okay. Good to meet you. You know? So like now we're at Disneyland together and I'm like, all right, great. And he's a doctor, right? What do I have in common with a doctor? I'm like, listen to my podcast. Well, he's like, uh, so tell me about this marketing thing. You, you do a lot of this internet marketing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, how do I start? I mean, like everyone thinks that marketing is just quick and easy and, you know, a couple of steps and you're done. And anyway, bottom line is this. So they finally, they, they leave early. Like we got there later in the afternoon. And we're over in California Adventure because it is just slammed. Like Christmas at Disneyland is slammed because they deck it out. And so everyone wants to come check it out. And um, they've got so many annual pass holders that it, it packs out the part. So when we first, the, the first year Luke was born, um, we got the the unlimited pass. And we'd go twice a week. Because there's only so many places that you can take a crying baby and no one cares because their yeah. baby's crying. I hate Disneyland so much that I am on the cheapest pass they have. The one that has 50% of the days are blacked out and you can't go. And I keep wondering, how do I get the other 50 days blacked <laughs> out? 50% of the days, you know, because I like I don't like going there. So they go off and they leave. And Jamie's like, okay, we're going to go on a couple more rides. I'm not kidding. Like she goes to change Mackenzie's diaper. It starts raining. So oh no. Now I'm at a crowded Disneyland. It's pouring rain. And I'm like, all right, that's it. We're leaving. I'm done. All right. I can't take this anymore. We go to get in line for the tram. Cause the way it works at Disneyland, if you guys haven't been there, you got to take a tram to the parking lot because the parking lot, I don't know. It's like half mile away, whatever. The tram, like, I don't know what's going on with the tram, but it's not moving. Like, it's just, and there's a huge line, and we're at the end of it. Right. And it's not moving, and finally it does move. And I'm like, okay, good, because we're still, like, good three, four trams away from being able to get on. Right. And it doesn't, like, all the, the empty trams keep skipping our our tram area, and they're going to other, and I'm like, that's it. Forget it. We're walking. Yeah. So then we walked a half a mile to the parking lot. It's pouring rain. And I'm like, all right, good. Now I'm done for the year. Don't got to go back. <laughs> yeah. Except that the year ends in like two weeks. Yeah. But see, my pass, I don't think is good anymore. I think this was my last oh. week. I think I'm blacked out the rest of the year. Oh, nice, man. Congratulations. On so that. I try and find out the days that are blacked out. And I go, oh, man, I had time. I could have gone with you today. Oh, I'm blacked out. So, so if you guys don't know this, there are actually three rides at Disneyland during Christmas that you have to hit because they deck them out for, they change them. It's a small world, which no one should ever really hit. It's a small world, <laughs> I but agree. it's I my concur. wife's favorite. So I got to give her props, right? Um, number two is Haunted House. You know, they deck it out like uh, Jack Skellington, Night Before Christmas and or Nightmare Before Christmas. It's, it's worth seeing, but the best is the Jungle Cruise. If you've really? ever been on the Jungle Cruise at Christmas, they call it Jingle Cruise. What they do is they they tell you a story when you first get on that, you know, they lost a shipment of Christmas decorations that was flying over the jungle. And uh, so you go there, and it is the funniest stinking thing. There's all these crates busted up with Christmas decorations, and all the animals are getting up to no good with all these baubles and you know, whatever it is, the, the the monkeys have, you know, they found all this like baking stuff, the uh, the rhinoceros when the when the natives are uh, going up the, the pole and the rhinoceros is getting them in the butt. He's got a star on his horn and the pole is decorated like a Christmas tree. Dude, it is the funniest See, why, stinking thing. Why don't you tell me this a week ago? Because now I actually want to go back and go on the ride because I want to see It's hilarious, this. dude. The natives that are like the headhunters, they've all got ugly Christmas sweaters on and they're, they're dancing around the fire. It is it is funny, man. Wow. I just got to tell you. That's worth going to. Jingle Cruise. Well, uh, <clears throat> before we get into our topic today, we got a little, uh, a little sponsorship. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by... I think we need to do the commercial as Rocky. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. That's one we could do. That's one we All could right. do. So uh so who's gonna be Rocky? Are are we doing characters? Are we getting oh, into character? Of course. All right, who are you gonna be? Rocky. Oh, you're gonna be Rocky? All I, right. I'm thinking. And uh you want me to be uh you want me to be Adrian or you want me to be uh Mickey? Oh look at the breadth of, of your acting ability. Oh, I, you know, I can I, I have a wide range, Pete. I, I just don't gotta know, get into character. Right now I'm having a blank of even how that commercial goes <laughs> after I've said it like a hundred times. Okay, I'll I'll start off. I'll start off. Um Hey Rock you bum. <laughs> You've been chasing the chicken with with PayPal as a cheap and easy giving source. Uh, 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 look, Mick, I, 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 I you know, I, I, I just <laughs> stop it, you bum. Yeah, you, you're just gonna be stuck fighting uh, bums I, like Spider Rico all the time. I, you gotta get. I, I ain't no bum. Mogive, chase the chicken at Mogive, Mogive dot com. I, I ain't no bum. I ain't no bum, Mick. I, I ain't no bum. <laughs> look I, at you. I just believe I got something inside me. Ah, look at you. You know what you got inside of you? You got no heart. You, you, you got to, you got to, you come on, kid. You got to get up there and you got to get on to mogive.com forward slash choice. I, I, I can chase the chicken. What does that sound like, you bum? Y- yo, Mick. Yo, Mick. I did it. <laughs> you can't win this fight with PayPal, Rocky. <laughs> yo, yo, Mick. I did it. We did it. Yo, Adrian, I got a mogive.com. She she got the woman disease, the woman cancer. How did he say that line? Did you see that Rocky, the, the last one, the most? Well, oh, that was so good. Rocky Balboa. Was, yeah, that was one where, where he's mood, talking dude. about, he talks about how he lost Adrian. She got the woman cancer or something. Like he couldn't call it like ovarian cancer or breast cancer. He was just like, she got the woman cancer. Yeah. So. So go over to uh, mogive.com forward slash church. There you go. That's our commercial. Yeah. And with that, Doc, lead us out into our. We got to have music after that, man. I don't think I have that on here. All right. A little Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. yeah. I don't have that. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. All right. So to this week's topic is Ninja Planter Part 2. And just as a, a gentle reminder to everyone, Peyton did start out this podcast and said that, uh, gosh, I have to agree with Pete. That never happened. That You said it. You, you said it. You used different words. But I stand corrected. You basically said Pete was right. Uh, I said that I changed my mind. Yeah, I, think, I, think, <laughs> I think if you pay attention more, you're going to find out that Pete's more right than he is wrong. And it's like being married to a second person. Dang it. I don't even know what that means. It's totally not like being married to a second person. I'm you wrong can't say again. that in today's day and age. You can't say that in today's day and age. No, I'm always wrong. <laughs> so where are we going with Ninja Planet Part 2? Well, you know, I, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit because what we did last week is we talked, we got sidetracked. That was my fault from the very beginning. <laughs> and we hit on some helpful stuff. But I want to actually talk about what it means to be a ninja planner. Um, you know, here, here's the deal. I used to go and I used to try to explain what I did for a living. And I bug Pete all the time about getting ninja throwing star cards. Like that would be the business best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Nin, ninja business cards, you know, where they're throwing stars. I'm still going to get them made. But uh, the, the deal is, you know, I started telling people, you know, I'm a guy who plants, raises up leadership and gets the heck out of Dodge. And then I started saying, um, I'm a cereal planner. If I plant once, I'll strike again. And then, you know, I, I, then I started thinking, you know, they would laugh, but they look kind of scared. Like maybe, you know, I was stashing bodies in my freezer at home. And, uh, because of the violent overtones, I started using the term ninja planner and it was, it was less, less creepy. And even though they're assassins and will kill you too, they're cool. Right. Um, everybody likes ninjas. So, but you don't get to dress like one. I wish I could wear a ninja hood to work. Um, and carry samurai swords, but in Britain that'll get you arrested because that's that's how people murder. This is going in a bad place, Pete. I guess so. I, I'm trying to get away from that bad place, <clears throat> but he keeps going into a, a, a bad place. So so here's the deal. This is this is when a ninja planner is, and and the reason I'm I'm kind of coining this phrase is I don't want them to be rare. I want them to be common. 
right? In the New Testament, they were not an endangered species like they are today. In the New Testament, a ninja planner was a guy who moved around kind of like Indiana Jones, you know, and those cutscenes were like, you see the dun, 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 you see the red arrows moving across a map. If you read the epistles and you look at Paul's journeys, his mission, missionary journeys, there should be like little red arrows on your Bible map that show where Paul went. And if you trace his movements, you see guys like Timothy, Titus, Epaphroditus, Silas, and a bunch of moving parts, a bunch of people who did not stay in one place. And so what I want for people to start thinking is maybe I'm a career church planner. That's what a ninja planner really is. He's a guy who uh, he plants churches continually, um, like Paul did. Over an 11-year period, Paul planted anywhere from uh, 12 to 24 churches, according to scholars, Mm. in 11 years, right? That's cool. And not to mention that, he he also uh, created hubs that planted more churches. Thessalonica, he says, through you, the gospel went out. So he used the gateway city model. But but anyways, I I used to kind of have a hard time defining what I did. And, you know, I could preach, I could lead, I could counsel, I could train other people. I look like a pastor. And at the same time, I seemed to have an aptitude for ministry, but I couldn't stay put. And I can remember earlier on that I would go places, I'd visit other people's churches, and the Spirit would just move and people get saved. But then I'd go back to my church, and I wouldn't have the same movement. And in fact, after I planted my very first church um, that, that I planted, you know, where I was the lead guy, because I'd always been on other guys' teams. But when I became the lead guy, I remember kind of feeling like, okay, finally, I'm in a church. The leadership's good. There's a team leadership here. We're doing awesome stuff. And then I got bored. And I started thinking, man, I got attachment issues. Something's wrong with me. And, uh, and, and yet, I, I didn't realize yet that, that what was really happening was, although congregations were thriving under my preaching, people were changing that I discipled, and I was raising up scores of leaders, I actually wasn't made to stay put. Neither was Paul, and neither was most of the guys that he trained. So almost kind of like a, an entrepreneur I was an entrepreneurial church planner, mm. not a church planner who thought entrepreneurially, but a guy, you know, the definition you and I talk about is there's, there's guys who start a business and they're not entrepreneurs. They're guys who started a business, right? I get what, it, man. Yeah. What, what would you say if you were to talk about what an entrepreneur was? Um, what would you say are, are some of the characteristics? Well, to me, an entrepreneur is a, a serial uh you know, a serial business owner, if you will, yeah. like a, a true entrepreneur is not, there's a difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. A business owner will like start up a business, grow it up, stay with it for 20, 30 years, retire, die, sell it, whatever. Um, an entrepreneur, they're not content. Like they build it to a certain point and then they got to go on to the next project and then the next one and then the next one. They very much have like ADD, right? Yeah. They just they they can't they can't just do one project. It, yeah, that's not the way they work. Yeah, so they're always spinning multiple plates, and you know, Paul Paul has all these churches that he's working with, and then he's still feeding into them apostolically. But um, <clears throat> I think entrepreneurs, you know, like from your parents, you'll get you know, why don't you grow up and get a real job, you know, and They want you to work for some big company that has security. But as a ninja planner, you're you're an elder, but you're almost like an apostolic elder. That's what Paul was. He was an elder over a network of churches. Um, Not not in the sense of like a bishop. You know, I just mean that he served them to expand the kingdom. So he'd come back through. And what his role was is after he planted a church, he would come back to it and farm out of it more leaders that he was going to take out to expand the kingdom. So he would take some of their most promising leaders out and about and um, make them into a ronin, right? If you ever mm-hmm. uh, studied like samurai, samurai are the guys that they stay put in the feudal Japanese system. 
they would serve a local leader, um, you know, like a local ruler. It was a feudal system. And the samurai would, would represent that guy. But then if their, uh, if their master died, um, that local government leader or like the shogun came in and took over that guy's land, they would then be like freelance and they called him Ronin, which means wave men. You know, he was a wave man. He was a guy always on the move, like a wave. You know, he's never at rest. And, you know, Jesus said that he had no place to lay his head. And, you know, um, to put it like, like they do on Pulp Fiction, you know, you wander to earth like came from the Kung Fu. <laughs> you're, you're moving around. Which on a side note, one of the, the lines that I remember you posting on Facebook and I never thought about it and, uh, You'd never thought about it before you put on that line, but Jesus was homeless. That's a crazy thought when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, he was. You're right. And and so in in a way, that kind of it's interesting. That's just that's getting my brain going in a, in, a, in another direction. I know. I, I that's why I said it's totally off the subject, but you made me think about it with what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, man, Jesus had no place to lay his head at night. I mean, he was homeless. Yeah, he was traveling and, and around the, the place homeless. Yeah, and and it's like kind of like how when you listen to like the Catholics, they they want to make like Peter the bishop of Rome. They want to attach him to a place. But really in the Bible, in the book of Acts, you can't you can't attach any of the apostles except for James to one place. James was a guy who was the sending apostle. But most of these guys, you know, they, they, they didn't stay in one place. They all moved because the apostolic guy expands the borders of the kingdom. But if you stop and slow down, and this happened incidentally with Wesley. Wesley would train guys up as circuit riders, and he would literally keep them on the move. So if I want to look down through church history, um, probably the biggest ninja planner that church history has outside of Paul would be John Wesley. And he had a circuit rider. So when you go to, did I talk about this? When you go to the, to the, the, the church that Wesley pastored in Bristol was actually planted by Whitfield. Um, and then when they built the buildings, uh, Wesley put stables on the, on the lower level for, um, so there's a church and then there were stables, um, down below. And then up top were sleeping rooms. And it was like a, a little, uh, circuit rider hotel check-in point, you know, like the Pony Express, where you go, you saddle up your horse, you get a good night's sleep, and then boom, you're back out on the on the road. And Wesley was really concerned because what would happen is his his guys would get married and start having kids and they'd stop being on the move. And Wesley's like, that's going to hinder. And then they would settle into pastorates. And he would say, that's going to hinder the movement. Well, what I've since come to, to understand, and I said this last week, so I don't want to spend too long on this, is that what happens is um, those guys, I believe, that once you start slowing down naturally, um, you should then start training the next generation of guys. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's maybe in the economy of how God's designed it. That's what it's supposed to be. But looking at a ninja, ninja's a frontline guy. You know, he's a ninja assassin. He's built for danger. And the, an apostolic church planner is more of a splinter cell. And he's wired for infiltration, right? He's not, he's not wired like a shogun to ride in with all this armor and, and a big army. Um, and so he, he needs to keep moving on. And he, he really thrives on being the guy who, under the cover of darkness, steals and strikes quickly and then is able to, to, to get out again. Yeah. So, um, so here's the deal. <clears throat> looking, at, uh, looking at ninja planners, that, that does not mean that they don't, uh, work well with others. It's it's actually the opposite. Remember that movie, the the Seven Samurai. You know, you it's that? been a long time, so, I, and I actually don't know if I saw that one or there was like thirteen samurai, and then there was forty seven Ronin, and then there was just Ronin, but that had Robert <laughs> De Niro's. Yeah, you know, I don't remember. Those are all good movies too. Yeah, but the, uh, the forty seven Ronin in three uh, D on my home system. <gasps> That's the one with Keanu, right? Yeah. I own that film, dude, but I but have not But you don't own it in 3D. It. That would be such a good film in oh 3D. Oh, my gosh. So, so, okay, like cheesy moment, right? Like from the 80s. I remember when I was a kid. I, okay, so I bought that movie. Just saw the trailer. Saw it was out on Blu-ray and bought it. And, uh, you know, the, the 47 Ronin. 
And I watched it and was super impressed. It was everything I hoped it would be. But it reminded me of this cheesy movie I saw. If you can get this on like YouTube or Netflix, it is the cheesiest, worst movie you ever have probably seen. And yet when I was little, I thought it was the bomb. It was this movie called Jim Cotta. So this, this gymnast, I can't even remember his name. He won like a gold medal. And they said, hey, let's put him in a, in a movie, in a kung fu movie. Let's do a gymnastics. What? He's totally kicking butt. He goes to this uh, like blacksmith shop and like uses the guy's anvil like a pommel horse. And he's like swinging his legs around, kicking like ninja butt, dude. It was the cheesiest B movie ever made. And I must have watched it like a hundred times as a kid. Mm. Nothing to do with anything. No, nothing to do with anything. So back to the subject. <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, because he, he's wired for kingdom expansion, he's always going to be working in teams. Teams help him move on. Teams help him kind of establish a leadership quickly. All of his team can either disciple or they can divide the labor up. They can, it's kind of like what I talk about in Church Zero, the fist leadership, or what Alan Hirsch talks about with APEST. You're able to get the job done more quickly. So you're traveling together like the seven samurai. And the reason why the seven samurai are important is if you ever seen that movie, um, that movie is about seven guys coming together. And because they're not on their own, but they band together, they're super powerful. So uh, seven samurai coming together. And what they do is they, they, they defend this village. If you've never seen Sakira Kurosawa, in fact, R2-D2 and C-3PO, little trivial history here, are based on two uh, characters um, out of that movie. Um, and, and Lucas has admitted that that samurai movie influenced uh, him with uh, Star Wars. The, the idea of having a team and not just one lone character, all that. But the deal is there's this little insignificant community um, of villagers. And there's a, a feudal lord who's coming in to like take him over. And the seven samurai, they, they're all ronin, but they band together um, and they equip the villagers to be an army. Well, that's church planning right there. You have a super team. It comes together. doesn't matter. They're not there to like build something great for themselves. They're there to get a mission done and equip ordinary lay people to win the battle and uh, against the enemy. And so because of that, um, what happens is a, a, a church planner and his team, they roll into a city and their number one concern is equipping and raising up others, right? And so uh, it, it's almost like you make your church into a dojo when you're a ninja planner. You're raising up Timothys and other people and couples like Priscilla and Aquila. And then you're raising up elders who are going to stay behind, not people that are going to move on and expand the kingdom. But it's all about uh, kingdom expansion. And uh, the other thing is in regards to that, that fist leadership, um, all from Ephesians 4.11, um, the whole point of that passage is the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are to raise up the saints to do the work of the ministry. So a ninja planner doesn't care if there's a church left behind that has his name on it, if people know who he is, what, what he brands as success. And by the way, church planners, it's always important to know how do you measure success in what you do? When you're a serial planner, the way you, you, your metrics are different. The way you measure your success is completely opposite of how other people do. Um, how I would measure success for me is how many churches get planted out of the, the church I plant and how many lay people are mobilized to ministry after I've been there. How many saints are doing the work of the ministry because of the role of the shepherd, evangelist, teacher, apostolic guy and i know i left one out the prophet does that make sense yeah it does make sense and you know i just i always tag on to that um that success is also you know infiltrating a community and building building the bridge yeah building those relationships with people who are so far gone or would never even consider you know um Christianity or Christians to hang out with. To me, that's, that's also success. 
That's a huge point, man. And you raised that last year, and I mean last week. And I so love that point, man, because um, like you were saying, and I, you really brought an important distinction of the podcast last week where you said, I think we got to be careful because we're not just talking numbers. We're talking, um, you mentioned relationships, that if you are well, successfully the, building relationships even. Yeah, and the, the reason for that is, is yes, here in where most of where we are in the States, we can talk about, you know, uh, lives being uh, saved, people converting. Because like we've talked about before on the podcast, there is a lot of God consciousness in the U.S., whereas other parts of the world, it's not there. The U.K. we've talked about where it's almost like, what are you, serious? You actually believe in a God? Like, it's there's no God consciousness there. So sometimes just breaking into that community and having a relationship uh, the homosexual community um, in a, many parts of the country, certainly not all of them, but in many parts, it is very anti-Christian completely with with good reason. I mean, Christians haven't historically reached out to that community in any kind of positive fashion other than to say, oh, look, you guys got AIDS because of your sin. You're going to die now. <laughs> and obviously, they're not you know, interested in and Christianity or even knowing Christians. So sometimes hmm. just, you know, bridging that gap, you, you know, Paul talks about, uh, you know, um, um, I can't remember how he says it. I know, you know, the quote, you know, so-and-so wa- watered, you know, yeah. and, and so-and-so reaped. And it's kind of like that. Oh, so good. Sometimes you, you, you're just the guy who's sowing and like, that's going to be success in that community or in that niche that you're in is you may just be the guy that's sowing. And you may yeah. never see any harvest. You know, it's funny because I, that passage is so important in what we're talking about. That's the seven samurai in action. And um, before I get to that, let me just respond to something you said earlier. Um, you said that, you know, building those bridges where the gospel hasn't gone with certain subsections of, of the community um, could be a certain um, ethnic community, you know, maybe Cambodians or maybe like you said, it was uh, people with lifestyle choices, you know, but, but here's the deal. What, what I love about that is that is expanding the borders of the kingdom. You've just expanded the borders of the kingdom into a subculture. And we're not talking about them coming into the church. We're talking, when we're talking apostolic, we're talking the church getting into their community, not the community coming into the church. It's the right. opposite. Yeah. So I love that, man. I love that you make that distinction. And so there's guys out there today. Um, this is this is what my next book, when it comes out, is going to be about. Largely, is getting out there and and infiltrating um, cross sections of 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 society. And you know that means that um, like you have to ask yourself questions like, how much time do I spend with the church people versus the unchurch people? You know, you won't. You won't expand the borders of the kingdom if the majority of your time is spent with people in your church. That's what shepherds and teachers do, right? I mean, particularly the the teacher labors in the word and doctrine, and then he teaches them. He can do that in all different ways. He can do it across the dinner table. He can do it one-to-one. He can do it from the pulpit. He can start little classes and small groups. That's what the teacher does. And he can have little reproducing sessions. But And then the shepherds visiting all the church people, that's why it needs to be teamed because the other three guys are going to be out in the community. They are frontline guys. The prophet brings a sense of the supernatural and the miraculous. The apostolic guy is out there. And so when you see it in Corinth, like you mentioned, where Paul specifically, because they, they started going, well, I like this guy and I like that guy. And they had guys that they related to more. All the teachers uh, and people that respond well to teaching, all the eggheads, they'll be drawn towards Tim Keller's and Mark Driscoll's and uh, John MacArthur's and anyone who seems to be an intellectual, they will flock towards them because that's what they relate to. So I follow this guy. But then guys who um, really are touchy-feely or people that need a shepherd or maybe have the shepherding bone will be drawn towards... Um, you know, the, the, the guys like the Dobsons, who is it nowadays? I don't know. Um, but they, they go more towards the touchy feely dudes. And so it, it's, it's important, all this stuff that we're talking about, because Paul, the way he deals with that is he goes, look, I sowed another watered and another reaped the harvest. And if you look at the history of Corinth, 
that's what happened was he um he is the guy who sows he's the apostolic guy he goes there and he evangelizes and plants then he leaves priscilla and aquila behind as he moves on and they water the work they're teachers they're watering the work and then apollos comes through if you remember the passage where <laughs> it says that he 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 preached the gospel lots of people were saved and baptized and then it says but then Priscilla and Aquila instructed him in the way of God more accurately. So he was out there evangelizing. So he comes through and another wave of people get saved. And so Paul sees that as we always think it's sowing, keep witnessing, then witness some more, then reap. That's not what Paul's saying in that passage. Paul is saying, he's talking about the church itself, that there was another wave of fruit that came because I sowed and, you know, of course, people got saved and he, he established the church. Then Priscilla and Aquila, he's talking about that fivefold teammanship that happened, that it, it, it takes a village. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and I, I love that you bring that up because that's actually seeing that seven samurai in action. And then lastly, because uh, I don't know how much time we have, but I'm, I'm guessing that uh, we don't have too much time. But... Uh, <clears throat> but but the last thing is that the ninja planner has to be able, and we talked about the pay grade. You know, he has to be able to let go. Um, I think of handing a church on, kind of like birthing a, a, a baby and giving it up for adoption. You know, you hug it and you hand it in into someone else's arms. And I have personally witnessed those kinds of things. Um, you know, being that I've adopted children. I mean, I've, I've seen that happen and it, it, it is a very hard, very touching moment. But, um, when you're planting churches, that's, that's what you're doing. You're taking something you birthed and you're handing it off in trust to a team. And that is really, really tough. But one of the things that, that I know in our society today with Facebook and Twitter and all that is we like to boast about how many you know, ah, you know, locker room talk. I birthed this many churches, you know. Um, there's that part of the Bible where the two women are are boasting that, you know, you know, that I, I love when uh isn't it isn't it uh Jacob's sons? He's got the Hannah, he's got the mistress and the and one of them names their 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 son Gad. A troop cometh. <laughs> I love that that she's I've got a whole army coming, baby. It's like total, you know, birthing mother smack talk. But, uh, but you know, it, it's not about that. To be a serial planner, you have to be able to plant and graciously move on and not keep throwing your face in there. Hey, church, I planted, you know, um, hey, how you doing? You know, you, you have to be able to become invisible and you have to let them get on with the work of the church plan. I would say, Pete, you know this, you, you're at Refuge Long Beach. I'm still learning how to do this well. I don't, I haven't mastered this yet. And what's cool about that is I'm still a learner and Jesus is still teaching me and discipling me, teaching me and training me in the way of God more accurately. But, uh, but one thing I think I have uh, down and I, I've been able to do this because of the history where God's taken me, I quit ministry uh, be, before I ever became a church planner and that did something in me where it maybe not really care who got the glory. Uh, I didn't need, you know, the, the first church of Peyton Jones established in 2006, you know, and they're like, that's on a plaque somewhere in the building. I don't need that. Um, most churches that, that I've been a part of planning, if I went there today, they wouldn't even know my name. Even if they heard the name Peyton Jones, they'd probably, oh, you know, I, I don't really know who he is, you know. Um, it's not regularly touted that I planted that church. I know for Pillar in Wales, that's not, they don't mention me ever. And I'm cool with that. In fact, in a weird way, I get more a buzz out of that. And that's what ninjas do, man. You cover your face. The, the reason that a samurai fought was a samurai was all about honor, right? He brought honor to his family. He brought honor to his master. The, the, and then if he, brought, if he did anything dishonorable, he committed Harry Carey because, uh, you know, or seppuku as they call it, where he, he disembowels himself. So, so the dishonor ends with him. Well, ninjas... Ninjas were like, nobody gets honored. We're just about the mission. It's not honor for my family. It's not dishonor for anyone. 
It's literally, there's a mission. It's got to be done. I cover my face so no one ever sees me coming. No one knows who to blame or who to credit. I just get the mission done. And boom. Well, I think one of of the tough things, too, that um, comes from that passing the baton, depending on how your church is structured, uh, even what denomination you're in, I can tell you, the church that I grew up in, that my dad was the pastor of, when he left it, it was a um, part of what was at the time called Baptist General Conference. Uh, I believe now they're Connexus. And it was a typical membership-run model church where the members voted on everything. You know, hmm. you, you vote for the pastor, you vote for pay raise. Pastor really has no power other than what, the members vote for. And when he left, they, they really like my, my dad, and my mom, cause they'd spent years there, right? Just years and years, a decade, 15 years, whatever it was. And they kept warning about, you know, this guy who they were going to vote in as their pastor. And they're like, look, I think what he's going to do is he's going to, um, the church owned a parsonage. They're like, I think he's going to refi the parsonage to pay off the church so you can huh. leave the conference and become an independent. And I don't think that's where you guys need to be right now. And they didn't. I mean, right. the problem with our church is it probably at one time was a white community. It was no longer a white community. Um, it was probably more uh, Samoan and uh, Hispanic and you know uh, the Asians, uh, the Chinese. Uh, even Japanese, but you know, a lot of the, the Asian cultures were there, certainly not white and the whites that were there. Mm. Um, it was just a, it, it was a very poor area. The demographics mm. had changed. What the church needed to do was to become much more multicultural. Yeah. The problem is today, literally, I like to go look at that church because that was a church I grew up in. So I go to their website every once in a while and they are just like crazy fundamentalist. You know, like their website says, we believe that what the world needs now is some good King James reading of the scripture. It's got to be the King James version. If it's not that, it's not worth it. And like, like you can tell they're like these angry white people. Yeah. And it's like, do you have any idea where you're located? You are not. I don't. Where do you think you are? Yeah. No kidding. Right. So my, my point of all of this is, you know, you talk about the transition and it can be fun. It can be exciting. It can be heartbreaking. And also, depending on what kind of structure your church is, sometimes you don't even have any control over it, of what uh, happens You know what? It, it feels that way. I, I can honestly say for Refuge Long Beach, it has been the weirdest thing. We, we have money to give people who come in. And, and we have tried to, as I'm on my way out, I'll be freeing up some funds. I have... You know, I'd like to say I've danced, I've begged, I've cajoled, you know, I've, I've, I've persuaded, I've tried to do all these things that, and, and at the end of the day, there's just nobody who really wants to come in. And I think some of that is the church culture we're in. Everybody looks at Refuge Long Beach and goes, oh yeah, no, that's never going to become a mega church. And it really is. Do you think that's really what's going on in the back of their heads? I think so. I, I personally do, because what we've said is you can have the pulpit. Like we've got guys that are interns at other churches and we can match their pay. And plus there's like, dude, you're going to, you're going to be able to preach. You're going to be a, you're going to be a pastor in a, in a church that is doing cool things. Like, dude, I see that's one of the things that, that surprises me the most about our church is how few of our interns preach. Like they have the opportunity. Yeah. And it's like once a blue moon, they actually get up there and preach. I'm like, Seriously, I thought that's what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And what's really funny is in the beginning, it was all the time. It was uh, Charlie, Ruben, Mike. Well, and look, they went out and planted another church. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. that they knew what they wanted. Yeah. And they went after it. And this is the ideas. As the apostolic guy leaving, this is where it becomes really important for a ninja planner. Like, I will continue to be involved. But I'll be there maybe, you know, a couple times a year, maybe three, four times a year. I'll, I'll stop in on a Sunday, maybe preach, but it won't be the once a month deal. And, um, and, and what's interesting about that is 
you know, th- there's still a need for the apostolic impetus to be there, you know, um, for an apostolic guy to, to kind of, so like, for example, one, one of the things that happened was Christmas was rolling around and, um, you know, and, and so for me, I can't let an opportunity for the gospel like Christmas or Easter pass me by. The, the shepherd can, the teacher can, you know, they're like, oh no, I'll just teach a word, you know, or I'll do this or I'll do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how God has wired them. But for an apostolic guy, you're like, I have to harness this to expand the kingdom in this neighborhood. And then what happened with us was, I remember I was like, I was trying to figure out how to, this is just as Christmas is rolling up, maybe this will help you guys for a week before we finish. Um, I was trying to figure, and I'm not there anymore, right? I'm there once a month. I, I do a lot of stupid stuff behind the scenes, like insurances and, you know, whatever. Pete and I were talking finances or whatever. I paid, you know, help make sure bills are paid or reimbursements or whatever. But uh, so, and I get things done, like with the graphics guy or whatever, just really stupid things that I do now. Um, but here was the deal. Uh, the Christmas, you know, I'm talking to the team. What do you guys think? And no one's thought of anything. I'm like, okay. So I tell them, look, this is what we did before. We're in a new neighborhood. We did, when we were in the school, we did pictures of Santa, secret Santa toy exchange, we did cookie party. We did, you know, it was all in one night. It was epic. Pete, you know, it was just freaking amazing. And uh, and we would reap benefits of that outreach all year. That was when we first started reaching the African-American community, really, to be honest. It was, yeah. And, and so what happened was I'm thinking, we're in this new neighborhood. What are we going to do? And I just know we're directly across the street from a Starbucks and a high school. And I'm like, that has to be a part of it. I don't know what it's going to look like. But that has to be a part of it. But I'm also not there anymore. I can't do it all. And so I started praying. You know, I kind of threw out a, a, a vision to the team. And the team kind of hit back and said, man, we're doing so much right now. We've just lost another church planner uh, team. So we're a little bit thinner on, on, our, on our workforce right now. And that's all fair. Um, but, but anyways, in talking to Chris, who's our teacher, God just divinely hooks him up with a women and children's shelter in the city. And this is what our event looks like now. Rather than doing this big thing like we did last year or the last couple of years, um, we now are meeting at Starbucks. Uh, we're advertising in the Starbucks. Hey, toy drive, boom, boom, boom. Drop them off here at the church or at Starbucks, whatever. And there's a connection there in the community, at the watering hole, at the hub, at the marketplace. It's like, that neighborhood is like the central location of it. It's directly across from a high school. And now we're serving that community to infiltrate it. We've partnered with Starbucks. They're helping to sponsor the event. We've now got a place where we can say all the proceeds of this toy drive go to the women's and children's shelter. And now we get together. We meet there that night. We go down together to the shelter. We distribute the stuff. We come back and we have a party outside on the street by the tables and chairs, Starbucks, they're providing the coffee. There's cakes provided. There's all this cool stuff. And boom, that night we're going to make valuable contacts as we have a party in public on a street corner, one of the busiest arteries in the city of Long Beach. And we can't wait. And our team's so jazzed. We don't got to put this major production on. We don't got to like wear people out anymore. It's missional. It's intentional. It's focused. It's something that a non-believer could jump on, and it's all going to be relational. Mm. And I'm I, I'm just always excited to learn new ways to do stuff in the kingdom of God. And it was it was our team coming together. It started with the apostolic impetus of the apostolic guy going, we need to do something. Then the teacher going, yeah, but I don't want to pull off a giant evangelistic event, but I've got this, this connection. Then our shepherd going, because by the way, shepherds, have a huge community contact bone in their body. So they want to go and meet everyone in the community, the community leaders and do community outreach. It's, it's what they do as shepherds. So they'll meet with the mayor. They'll, they'll talk about what are the needs of the city. And that's a very shepherding deal. It, it does have an evangelistic bent, but uh, that's how it's pulling off, man. It's pulling off as a team. That's awesome. And that, that actually reminds me of um, 
something just as an idea to throw out to church planners, probably for their community. It's not, it's going to be too late for anything in December. I'm sure by the time they hear this, but these type of things happen in their communities all the time. And I was sharing this with you the other day. Um, our community, we live in a little city called Rossmore, but it's part of, uh, it shares the same zip code, I should say, as Los Alamitos, which is an actual city. And they had some sort of like street carnival going on. <clears throat> there must have been four or five churches at this carnival. Um, That's so good. More churches than there were other businesses. So I don't know what it cost them to like be a part of it because the whole thing was free for the most part. I mean, you could buy food, but they had all these bounce houses and kids could go do them free. I mean, you know, Luke loves that stuff, right? So, I mean, he was just all over the place. But there, I remember thinking, wow, there's like, there's more churches here than there are anything else. Yeah. Um, and like one of the churches, the branch we've talked about before, they had a, a really cool thing at their booth where like kids could make snowmen with marshmallows and frosting. Wow. And like, so, I mean, like they were reaching out to the community that way. And, and all the churches were reaching out in one way or another. So, my point is, as a church planner, you know, they didn't have to put on, these churches didn't have to put on a big event because the city was already doing it. They just basically bought a booth at it and got to do something at that event. You know, absolutely. Look and if for you're that gonna, in your community. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going to do any kind of booth event like that, you, you need to aim for two things. Number one, you need to have food, just like Pete said. Um, don't have one with like, hey, we have a women's study or a men's study at our church, and here is a flyer. Don't do that, John. Don't have Bibles on the table that, you know, hey, you know, here's a track. What you do is you always do something with food. Food is a draw. And when people are at these carnival events, they're hungry, right? Like we went down to San Juan Capistrano. I don't know what the rules it, It'll differ from city to city, but in San Juan Capistrano, any nonprofit group was allowed to sell food as a fundraiser. Well, you could sell food. So there was tons of, I, dude, I went to the Mexican, uh, there was this traditional Mexican dance group that young ladies learned to dance these certain dances. And I was asking them because my daughter's part Mexican and she's like half Mexican. I'm like, so what is this? Like, do I need to teach my daughter this stuff? You know, what, what is it? All I know is they serve the best hot chocolate on the planet, cinnamon hot chocolate. I, and, and next year I will seek them out if I happen to be in. San Juan Capistrano during the lighting of the Christmas tree. But here's the deal. Always have food at your booth. Just like that's a brilliant idea. Kids with like walking away with graham crackers and marshmallow snowmen on them with frosting. It, it, everyone's going to come to your booth. Yeah. Then if you're going to, the second principle is not just food, but children. Any card you have, invite them to Sunday school. Because when you get the kids, the people know this in, in supermarkets. Where do you put all the crap? At, at the aisle or at the checkout lane, right? But all the stuff the kids want goes in the checkout lane. Why? Because they're counting on the kid bugging you in the line, telling you, mommy, mommy, can I have that? Can I have that? Mommy, mommy, can I have that? You, you know, if I, let's just, in my head, if I'm going to do cotton candy, free cotton candy, and I'm going to have a giant cardboard cutout of Elsa, I'm going to make it like Elsa's making cotton candy. I'm going to have this whole thing I put together, and then at the end, I'm going to have an Elsa and Anna winter Sunday school program. You know, this is like a year ago. That would have been hot. Right now, they're kind of dying out. Kids are like, I'm not into that anymore. But I'm just saying, like, this is the crap you can do. You make it look so cool. And then, dang it, make your Sunday school cool. Don't make your – and I can say this right now. Yeah. Go for it. Go finish your sentence. No, no, no. I was going to say, I, I, can make, I can make this boast right now because although we've lost <laughs> our kids moving out of the school – we have the best Sunday school right now. It is so dang cool. And so here's the deal. You do we just something need kids. like that. What? We just need kids. <laughs> we need more kids. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, here's the deal. So you aim for kids because the kids will bring the parents, right? The parents will bring the kids and the kids will bring the parents. The 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 parents aren't going to pick up your thing of, oh, men's Bible study. Ooh, ah, that, that's what I've been looking for. But those kids will Bug those parents to go back to that thing where they got free cotton candy. Well, that's awesome. And and just in uh, in closing, because I know we're we're actually over time. Um, one of my neighbors for his Christmas light up set, he's got C three PO, R two D two, Darth Vader, Yoda with the hat on with the lightsaber, and they have in front of it an Olaf with his head cut off from the <gasps> lightsaber. 
dude picture. I need a picture on Facebook. I'm going to go get a picture of it this weekend. Okay. So smack talk after the show, just real quick, two seconds. I came home from Atlanta after training with Mac and I, I pull up and as a surprise, there is an inflatable Yoda in a Santa costume in front of my house. You got to love it. Which, by the way, we're having, we're having Luke. I love that woman. Luke is wearing a uh, Stormtrooper costume when we go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. And so Jamie's like, you got to dress up like a Jedi. And I'm like, well, the only thing I got is a flannel robe and like Yoda slippers. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to look on me. But, you know. I love it, man. You got to order a, a costume off the internet. Boba Fett, baby. Just a robe. That's all I need is a robe and that's I'm a Jedi. True. That's true. That's yeah. true. Just saying. Just saying. Well, hey. In uh, in final uh, closing, let me ask you just a, a quick question, year end type question, uh, a deal. What do you do for all of your your tax stuff? Uh, you know the receipts that you got to give out, the the insurance that's got to be renewed. How do you take care of all that stuff? So funny story, right? Like so, uh, we just changed over uh, our uh, treasure in Newbury Church Planning, the the network that that I that I am a part of. And so here's the deal. Um, the guy hadn't, the new guy hadn't been forwarding over all of the, the receipts to Simplify Church. So all I did was we scan and copy every check. I literally just took pictures on an iPhone of all those, sent them on to simplifychurch.com, end of tax year receipts done. Easiest thing ever. Even in, in a way you think, oh, they're going to hate you for that. No, they're like, yeah, we got it. No problem. We'll do it. Boom, boom, boom. Turn around. Amazing. Are you serious? Yes. So that's all I got to do? That's all you got to do. Baby. I just got to forward all those scans you and throw it at them. They don't care if it comes in like, you know, cave paintings or, you know, etch a sketch. They just need to know who gave what. And if you just take a picture of all that, boom, 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 done. I love it, man. I love it. Well, cool. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, you too, man. Hey. And uh, guys, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. We respect your time. Hopefully we entertained you and we made you think. We don't respect your time the first 20 minutes, but then after that, we respect your time. (laughs) We respect our time during that time. But uh, hey, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. We uh, wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Star Wars Week. And uh, anyways, we want to remind... I forgot what I was supposed to say, Pete. I forgot my tagline. We want to remind you and ourselves, if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.